Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from San Francisco with my co-host, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. I just said to you, we're going old school dirty sports. Old school. We're at like, we're basically in an Ikea ad. Yeah. Like, I I don't think I can see one single thing that's not Ikea. The the bed's not Ikea. Okay. And uh, we're here in San Francisco. You're, you're... Intro was quite reserved because uh, I don't know you've had some you've had some beef with the neighbors over possible sexual encounters going on upstairs, and so you can't come with a super loud intro in the morning, even though it's a beautiful. What day is today? Monday. Monday. It's been a long trip. You haven't been home. How much have you been home in the last month? Month. Uh. I don't think it was a full week. Yeah, I don't think it was either. I was trying to think about that last night. It might have been a full week, but yeah, it was a better part of two weeks in New York and then home for a little bit. And then uh, obviously Tahoe last Wednesday through the Bay Area today. And now another week on the road. I'll be gone till Sunday. Big news, guys. This is big, breaking, dirty sports. News. Breaking comedy news. It's fi- I, I'm finally in breaking comedy news. That's it, it. Only took twenty. It'll be twenty years in August. Joey No Chill Prano is headed to the best comedy festival in the world, Montreal, just for laughs. You have made the new faces 2019. New old faces, as they're calling it this year. Uh, I just posted on Instagram. Finally, uh, being a part of a marginalized group pays off for me. I'm the old man in New Faces. Are you not the oldest, are you? I, I bet you I am. I bet anything. Uh, 40 years old. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited, though. Uh, fly to uh, Montreal tonight on a red eye out of uh, San Francisco. Uh, orientation tomorrow. First Just for Last show in an 800-person historic Canadian Quebec Quebecois theater on Wednesday night. And then I'll be hanging out, doing all kinds of festival things, and then another show Friday night, and then uh, come home on Sunday. Pretty awesome, guys. This is this is the big deal. Like every, I don't say every, but a lot of the big time comedians. This was the first major thing they got in the comedy world was the new faces in Montreal. Like yeah. I said, the most elite stand up comedy festival in the entire world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's it's uh, I it's still I knew about it a couple weeks ago, uh, but wasn't allowed to say anything until today when they did the big announcement. I don't want to say it still doesn't seem real because, like, I mean, it seems like that's just like a dumb. That's like a NFL drafty thing to say. It just doesn't seem real that I'm here. But uh, I think it'll be extra real when I get to Montreal. It's just been it's been weird not being able to tell people, and uh, now. You know, and here we are. So two shows in Montreal. 
If you're the Canadian dirt balls and you're always like, when are you going to come north of the border? When are you going to come north of the border? Here's your two-day notice to get yourself to uh, to Just for Laughs in Montreal for the first showcase or a four-day notice to get yourself there uh, for the second one. And then, uh, yeah, come see me in Montreal Just for Laughs. Now, back in the day, Joe. Now, despite Tug not laughing at the... Uh, at the callback, we we made it through. We made I made it through the Andy Ruther co- the the Andy Ruther curse and uh, Tug Coker stonewalling me like Simon Cowell in the second row. That's what I want to address, kind of. At Tug was mentioned <laughs> the curse. I went to your first showcase just so everybody knows. This is how they do it. You, you had one showcase at the Westside Comedy Theater, and what they do is they take the comedians that do very well from the first showcase. They narrow it down, you get a second showcase, and they pick the comedians from there on who's going to go to Montreal. I went to both showcases. The second one, like you said, Tug and I went to at the Comedy Store. I went to both, and I saw you did a great job at both. That's why I said, you're going to Montreal, and you kept saying on the podcast, say I'm not going, because we all know the Ruther curse. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Have you broken the Ruther curse? Because I said you were going to Montreal, and... You're going to Montreal. Yeah, let's see. Uh, this could be this could be the beginning of the end of the curse. You so entered the it's curse. Exi- it's exciting. You it. It's exciting. Not the Golden State Warriors. Nope. Joey Nochil Prano, my co-host, is going to end the curse. It's exciting. Not exciting I, for Alex Bresler. I'd be honored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants me to end communist China. Yeah. Tough, tough break for Bresler. Tough break. Which, only one of us can survive. It was my comedy career or communist China taking over the world. Rip the rest of the world. <laughs> it's been a fun trip, Prano. We we banged out a lot of shows. Last night was our uh, our last show of the weekend. We've met tons of dirt balls. Yeah, working backwards. We did the Crow's Nest in Santa Cruz last night. Two dirt balls showed up. Shout out to Andrew and Reed. Yeah. Andrew has gone through puberty since the last time we saw him. Reed looks like he went through puberty when he was eight. <laughs> He's like six foot nine. He's like a six foot nine like lab scientist. Yeah, he gave me uh, he gave me a, a box of, of pre rolled joints. Yeah, it's always a nice gift from it's a always, dirt ball. Always good to get, you know, drugs from people. Yeah, it's always good. So shout out to Andrew and Reed. They were there last night. The night before, we did a wine show. Yep. In- at Campa Vida, the great Lyle Barron's uh, wine show in Oakland. We were a part of the gentrification parade. Oh, yeah. A couple of white boys coming through Oakland, beating a drum that said Rosé on the side. Rosé all day. <laughs> and shout out. We literally drove through the ghetto. Yeah. And then, uh, just like I said, as we turned the corner, I was like, it's going to be some reclaimed wood fucking. Turn the corner, bunch of reclaimed wood, bunch of hipsters drinking wine. Most Yeah, it was the definition of how gentrification works. We drive through the hood of Oakland. I even made a comment. Is this where we're going to die? And then we pull up. Oh, Rosé, guys, come on in. We're going to have a little comedy show. They're like, try the Riesling and watch out for drive-bys. <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> but shout out to Wendy and Jay Gonzo Jr. who showed up. And Jay Gonzo's girl who's always in Diana. Town. Diana. A little I- Ariana Grande. I met uh, I met Jay Gonzo for the first time. Yeah, chicka chicka yeah, chicka chicka see. <laughs> Mexican McLovin. He got me pretty stoned, by the way. I I felt I should not have done this. I'm not advocating this. I got pretty stoned after the show. We went to what was the name of that restaurant? Blind Tiger. Blind Tiger. 
we had a, a little hodgepodge crew go to Blind Tiger, and Jay Gonzo got me. He got me stoned, and as we were driving then from Oakland to San Francisco, it kind of hit me. You know, the Bay Bridge is so long. Yeah. And it hit me driving across that, like, whoa, bro, this is kind of trippy. I should not be baked driving across the bridge. Almost drove off, by the way. I mean, no, I didn't. You also, you were sto- so stoned as you crossed the Bay-, Bay Bridge, you literally pulled into an area that said closed. Like, you just went up to a toll booth, separated by a divider, two lanes closed. Two, if anybody's been on the Bay Bridge, there's 40 lanes. Yeah. Two of them were closed. Those two were set aside by a divider. You chose those two lanes. <laughs> Me and we had to back up on the Bay Bridge approach, backing up on yeah. on the freeway. There was there were some mistakes made. We <laughs> were backing up, had to pull through like a gap in the in the divider. And a lot of other people made the same mistake I did. Yeah, I think you were following the masses. Yeah, but not paying attention. No, well, you were high. That was your excuse. Yeah, the guy in the dump truck in front of us. Not sure his excuse. Probably also high. <laughs> Yo fool. Yo fool. And then I work. I work for a dump truck company in Oakland. Fool, you think I'm not high? <laughs> and then the night before, an amazing packed show at the setup. Shout out to Charlie who does amazing photoshops for us, and also Rob who again got Rob, me. Yeah, Rob came out twice. Rob got me stoned too. Yeah, it's the move. They get they get me baked. That was a great show. Shout if if you are a, a San Francisco area, great show. Um, Dirtball, or if you're visiting the San Francisco area and you want to see comedy, go to the setup. Like I was blown away by the show that night. Packed to the gills. Packed. And so fun. Great like, show. So fun to do. It reminded me of like a New York comedy club. I was like going to say, as a New York guy, it's in the basement. Yeah. Very Village Lantern, very comedy seller, very, but, but good. Like great. He put they, Those guys put on a good show. They always have good comics. And the crowd's ready to laugh. Crowd's good. Beer's good. Yeah. I had a couple sours. Do we, we have to talk about that? Oh boy! Oh, this is oh the, boy! This is the big. This might be the biggest story. Forget just for laughs. This might be the biggest story of the whole podcast. A slippery slope started last week where you were sipping on some white claws. You got a taste for that alcohol, that dirty sports dent, that 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 Ruther dent coming unglued a little bit. You went to the beer basement, which is the 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 bar that the setup is underneath. And uh, you were gone because you went to, you had another spot at the Punchline yep. Comedy Club. So you went to go run your Just for Laughs set. Yep, correct. So you left. Yeah. So here's what happens the show ends. We're all hanging out. We have a crew uh, your lady, my lady, a couple of their friends. Uh, like I said, Charlie with his lady, Rob with his fiance. And I said, you know, let me buy everybody a round of drinks. And uh, somebody's like, well, Ruth, aren't you going to get something? And I saw they had uh, kombucha on tap. And obviously, I'm a big kombucha guy. And so I just get a kombucha because everybody's drinking. So I figured I'll at least have something instead of a water. And I brought this up to you guys in the car the next night on the way to Oakland. I said, me and Charlie Ryan were saying, it, it lists on the board because they had a giant board of all the drinks. It lists kombucha at 3% alcohol. And we were laughing about that saying, it's not 3%. They sell kombucha to anybody of any age. I've looked it up. Kombucha is, is a naturally fermented alcohol, maybe 0.9%. So any age can buy it. But then you brought up another point. That there is alcoholic kombucha. In fact, there's a, a, a wide range of alcohol kombuchas. And I've there, there are... 
for sure kombuchas that I've had. One of them I think is called Booch, um, which my which former guest of the show Tim Harrington was slinging for a while, which is like you have to be of age to buy it in stores. Yeah, and uh, you know you looked at the three percent on the board and thought that must be a mistake. I'm telling you, highly likely that was in fact not a mistake that they are selling alcohol kombucha on draft at a bar because it's San Francisco and people love kombucha. And it's like, well, you know, 5% alcohol, 3% booch, whatever. I'll just go with the kombucha. You had an alcoholic beverage. A full one. You had a full kombucha. So since the denting. Which basically you had half of a, you know, you had, you know, you had, 60% of a Miller Lite. Yeah, basically that's what it is. Because a Miller Lite's what, 4-2? Yeah. So, yeah, 80%. So I had a full kombucha, and again, I wasn't thinking. Now, I have not had a full alcoholic beverage. I'll take sips of people's things to just test them. I've not had a full alcoholic beverage since the denting. So we've kind of decided. I, I took your five-year chip. You took it. And then you had two glasses of Riesling the next night at Camp Vida. <laughs> And then uh, I just woke up this morning and slammed a bottle of gin before you came over here. So basically, I'm an alcoholic. A bottle of gin. That'd be great. <laughs> just slammed a bottle of fucking Tanqueray. So, you know, whatever. Can I still say, you know, I haven't had a full drink in five years? Joe's saying no. He's like, you broke it. You you inadvertently broke the alcohol. I, I mean, I guess, I guess the, you know, the the thing is like when you're talking about percentages like that, you you had a couple sips of white claw. I know you were just tasting it, but then you had, you know, you've had a lot of 0.9 percent kombuchas. It's like, let's be honest, it's not really like you didn't feel drunk. You didn't even think you had had alcohol. Yeah. So I mean, you have had an alcoholic drink, but it's not like you got drunk. You haven't been drunk. Like that's honestly like the most important part. I I would always do that when I would uh when I would do like no fucking drink. November or whatever the fuck it is like and I've never done that by the way I don't do sober October or like I don't do start of the year shit but like every few years I will take off a lot of times right around my birthday and it's like I'll have a beer here and there but my point is I don't get drunk yeah or even like tipsy well Joe if you've had a few too many drinks I have the best thing that will make you feel better feel alive feel re-energized the next day Cheers. You know all about Cheers. We've yeah. worked with Cheers before. Do I? I bring Cheers with me in my uh, Dob kit on the road, specifically for post-show drinks. Right. And having to get up the next day and you know get to work. You know you're going to have to podcast the next day. You want to feel a little better. Even if you've only had a, just a moderate amount of alcohol, what's so great about Cheers is that it will leave you feeling no less than 100% the next day, guys. You take two to four capsules after your last drink before going to bed, and we guarantee, just like them, that you will feel better in the morning. And Joe, I am so happy to be working with Cheers again. Listen to what they have, because I know our dirtballs like to have a few drinks. Yeah. We were drinking with them all weekend. For a limited time, our friends at Cheers are giving dirty sports listeners a chance to try out Cheers Restore for free. 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 Free cheers. Free cheers. Free cheers for cheers. To take advantage of this great offer, simply go to takecheers.com forward slash dirty. 
This is all they need to do. Now, Dirtballs, this is so simple. You really need to take advantage of this. Just take the 30-second quiz, and you pay $1, uno dollar, for shipping, and your four-dose sample bottle will be on its way along with a free gift. Again, that's takecheers.com forward slash dirty to get your first four doses of Cheers Restore for just $1. Cheers, it's the best thing to happen to alcohol since alcohol. And I don't know why anybody would not take advantage of this. I mean, I I truly, they sent us a sample when we uh, started working with them a couple months ago. It, it's in my bag. I take it. I feel better at, you know, as as a an old face of comedy, as a 40-year-old. It certainly helps me recover and helps me feel better and wake up just feeling a little bit fresher. And uh, honestly, guys, it's free. So for you older dirt balls out there, definitely give it a try. For you younger dirt balls out there who go a little bit harder, give it a try. Uh, free cheers. And once again, I'll put that link in the description of the podcast. And if you go to takecheers.com forward slash dirty and you use that promo code, I will send you some koozies that goes great with the alcohol that you're drinking the night before or yeah. future Put nights. your alcohol in a koozie, drink it, take the cheers, wake up, feel great. Boom. Listen to the podcast. Exactly. Repeat. We got it all figured out. Okay, you want to talk a little sports? Um, yes. Let's do, let's do a little sports today. Okay. We were talking San Francisco, and we're continuing to talk about our experience we exp- or I don't know if this is for you. This was my first ever up close net baseball game. It was disgusting. Gross. I uh, I feel bad for the I mean it's hard to say I feel bad for like the rich people who can afford those seats regularly and and have to deal with it. I but I will say that. But I'll also say I feel bad for the poor people who are sitting in the upper levels and pretending that it's fine, that, oh, you, you can't, the net's not going to bother you. Like any of these people who have ever replied to us and said, oh, you guys are just fucking old douchebags and like the net's not a problem. You've straight up, you've just simply never sat there. Yeah. You've never sat there. You never sat there. So, because if you did, you know, it's a fucking giant pain in the dick. Also, where we were sitting, explain the, where we were the sitting. net bent. Yeah, right at like we were sitting, basically right behind the dugout, but we were toward like the corner closest to the plate. Right when it gets to the dugout, it bends, so it comes back toward the so the top of the dugout is uncovered. So, like, it it was just weird. Like we had a view of the players from like underneath the net, but then like the view of the field was covered by the net. But right where it turned, there was basically we had to look at a net going sideways, which was even more distracting. Yeah. So we were first row at Oracle Park in San Francisco. Amazing seats. I mean, as a guy who obviously has been to God knows how many baseball games in my life, I always say I prefer if I could have any seat, I prefer behind the dugout versus behind home plate. Because when you're that when you're that close, I like to see what the players are doing yeah. and see if they're also, talking. Part of I a hundred percent agree with you, and also in the history of me going to baseball, the dugout has been without a net, and yeah. behind the plate has always had a net. Exactly. And I don't like to watch it. I don't sit behind home plate, even when given those home plate seats. Like I prefer. I'm like 
I'd much rather have dugout seats than so home plate seats. It, what was cool, honestly, I've often said this before, I'd rather have first row loge over the net seats than behind home plate seats. Yeah. So basically, two years ago when Joe and I did this trip, we had the exact same seats. The exact same seats. And I remember commenting two years ago, we went to two Mets-Giants games, how cool it is to be that close to the players. You can see what they're saying to each other, right? And then again, we had that on Thursday, but the big difference is the net. And who I felt most bad for were the kids. Kids coming running down after every half inning, trying to get baseballs. After every half inning. I don't think people realize how this would have to work now. Instead of the kids being right next to the Mets players, like Joe was saying, for a player to give a kid a baseball, he would have to go under the net where then you can't see the player. Yeah. And then he's throwing the baseball to a kid. Well, all you have to know is in the years past, and I'm not the kind of guy who like, I'm an adult. I've caught foul balls. I've like whatever. I have gotten, I don't know, eight baseballs sitting in these seats. Because I'm just in a Mets jacket. I'm behind the Mets dugout. A Mets player comes off the field with the ball. It gets tossed to me. You know, I, I hand them out to kids, especially kids in Mets jackets or Mets hats if they're nearby. We didn't even come. Like, no one even looked at us that had a baseball because we were behind a net. And the thing is, you could see these kids running down and, like, almost not knowing. They didn't understand. Like, it. what was going to happen. Yeah. Because they're, they're like, oh, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting by the, the thing. I can run down every inning. And then most of the people that were getting baseballs were down the line where the net ended. Exactly. It's it's just so dumb. Yeah. And it's just not necessary. It's, it's not. just not necessary. Just pay attention. Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Pay attention. This isn't... It's cuckery. It's it, cuckery. The only people that are arguing this are, are fucking cucks. And they're not real baseball fans. And when you go to a game and you sit that close and the net's there, it truly does affect it. It's it's affecting me seeing Noah Syndergaard, who pitched a great game. It was, a, it was an amazing game. Sorry for Joe's Mets, who lost in the 16th inning. Him and Bumgarner both pitched a great game. Yep. They both gave up one run. It was one-to-one to, one to one headed into the sixth, 16th inning. I left after the 13th inning. But, it, guys, it just it truly affects the game. And like he was saying, the kids didn't even – it was obvious these – it was mostly it was these three or four little girls every half inning would run down. They didn't understand that the Nets, they couldn't get baseballs now. Yeah. It was almost as if they had gone to games before. They knew that the players from the dugout could give them baseballs, and now they couldn't. And it completely ruins the experience. And anybody who says otherwise is, a, is just a fucking cuck. And, and a liar. Again, that, that's the thing. Is like, you, you know, just argue it's like the lesser of two evils. Be that person. Be the lesser of two evils terrible argument that people use fucking in politics all the time. And just be like, hey, we have to keep the kids safe. But don't say it doesn't affect you. It does. Look at our Instagram. Look at our fucking, you know, Twitter pictures. Look at our Twitter. It's fucking there. It's so blatantly obvious. And it fucking sucks. It's 70% worse to sit in those seats. Now, 
Now they're still free for us. I was just so. gonna, I was just going to say that, but this is an interesting point. We, we got them from your buddy who has uh, company seats there. Again, amazing. My buddy being SeatGeek. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I would not pay for seats like that. No. Because those are not going to be cheap seats. No. Those are probably $250 a piece seats minimum. I would not use my own money for those seats because of the nets. I, I mean, I'd pay for them, but I wouldn't pay for them as much as I'd pay, you know, half for ones down the line, not behind the net. Yeah. You know, the value just isn't there. I agree. It's just not worth it. And they used to be just such great seats. And you don't need How many baseballs came through our area? I didn't see one. Not a single ball. Yeah. You know, it was kind of disappointing between the Nets and me not making the Simba cam. Yeah. I'd never even seen Simba cam before. I guess it must just be for the new the new Lion King. But I think I threw out my back lifting you. Yeah. You went for it. You tried to lift me. Yeah. I, I did lift you. I know. I, w- <laughs> I went full Simba. Yeah. Simba cam was when they, they, threw, they threw up Simba cams like a ad for the Lion King and they basically were having people hold up their babies or their children and I just lifted Ruther which J. Lloyd made into a great Photoshop to to promote our shows up in the Bay yep yeah but no all in all look they're, they're great seats but again I know we've really really hammered this home but to Joe's very last point you are lying if you say it doesn't affect you. You're just lying. Yeah, you're there, lying. There's a fucking net in your face. And, uh, you know, RIP the Mets season, right? Yeah. RIP my red season. Like, our teams just shot the bed this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Mets lose in 16, the game we go to. Uh, 1-1 game, Bumgarner, Syndergaard. It goes to 16. Mets score a run in the top of 16th on an Alonzo homer. Give up two in the bottom of the 16th and lose. You're like, this is the most... You're like, this is the most Mets loss ever. You're just going to play this whole game. No one can score a run. Then you finally do. You're going to give two right back. No. Next day, Mets lose on a fucking Duff pop-up in like the 11th. Another extra inning game, they just don't catch a pop-up. Then, of course, they win. And, uh, of course, game the second game of the series, DeGrom game, he pitches, you know, fucking scoreless seven or whatever. Uh, and then the next game they win, They have, you know, Alonzo hits another Homer in that game, they win big, and then they they lose yesterday in on a walk off in the ninth, I believe. Like just the most dumpster fire Mets series ever. And then my Cincinnati Reds were like, "Hold my skyline, chili. Yeah, we're gonna blow a seven run lead to the St. Louis Cardinals and give up ten runs in the sixth inning." Um, all of that and more will be discussed on the new Dirty Slides coming out soon. People have been saying, "Hey, is that over?" and uh, as you know, guys, I have been on the road, and uh, Andy Laz had shoulder surgery, and uh, he was on the not the the IR the IL yeah the IL the injured list, and uh, he yeah because he's not disabled he doesn't have, DL he doesn't have why cr- did I say IR no because it is they because they got rid of the disabled list yeah it's not the disabled list anymore it's the injured list or, and uh, because he doesn't have Crohn's disease he just had. Uh, surgery um and we'll be back doing that when i return from just for laughs in montreal on fun Sun- fact Sunday. too when joe returns from montreal he will also be fluent in french yeah 
Bonjour, wee wee, croque madame. You hitting some strip clubs up there? Are you, I don't know. You're probably not gonna have time, are you? I don't know. I guess I technically only have two shows, so so there'll so, be some time. So you have two shows. You said your first show is in front of eight hundred people. Is that going to be all the new faces? Uh the so there's I believe twenty one of us in in new faces. So there's there's uh, for people who know don't know about the festivals. There's a couple of different lists. Uh, I'm happy to be on the list that I am on, which is the one that they lead with um, in all the press and everything like that, which is just new faces. There's there's also new faces characters. There's new faces creators. There's new faces uh, um, Canada, which was just for Canadian comics. And there's new faces unwrapped for people who don't have uh, representation. Um, But the, I don't want to say the main one, but certainly the lead you know when they list these things when you hear somebody did new faces they're generally talking about what i'm doing and there is 21 comics i believe and i think the first night they'll do or wednesday night they do a 7 30 a 7 and a 9 30 or 7 30 and a 9 30 show ah so they break it down yeah so we'll do half half and half i believe they're both hosted by pete holmes um so yeah they'll break it in half in the same theater, and then we'll be broken in half again. But the biggest will that be the biggest number of people we perform for? I was trying to think about it. Probably um, eight hundred. Yeah, the, there's another festival that I did in Nebraska that was in like a big arena as well, but um, it probably it wasn't sold out. So I'm I'm assuming it'll be the biggest, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, half of those will be industry, so that it won't won't be real eight hundred real people, but. There'll still be 800 bodies there. Will Dirty Sports have a TV show by the time you leave Montreal? You know, I don't want to jinx it, and uh, I don't want you to curse it. So let's just say no. (laughs) (laughs) I think Shaq should show up to your show. Yeah. We've been laughing this weekend. I don't know if you guys saw the video. Did anyone see the video of Shaq, like, are we going to say moshing? Yeah. He was moshing at, like, an EDM show. In, I think, Belgium? Yeah. My, what the, would you do? What imagine you're? What would you do if you're tripping on Molly? That's what I'm saying. Like, Shaq showed up. There's so many factors. You're at this concert. I believe it was Belgium. Shaq shows up. F- forget the Molly. Let's not. Let's not. Let's not even go on the Molly air, dude. You're you're in the mosh pit, or you're. How about forget the Shaq part? How about the forget? How about take Shaq out of it? What if a 375 pound, seven foot one black man showed up to your mosh pit? I just I just lay down. <laughs> yeah. You remember back in the day when they would always like the, in like the the Reebok stores or whatever they'd always have like Shaq's shoe, <laughs> like Shaq's thir- size thirty one shoe. Dude, I'm watching it again right now. He's bobbing his head. He's throwing water at people. He's, yeah. He's in a wife beater. I'm Superman. I'm coming to the mosh pit near you. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a 345-pound black man in the mosh pit. I just picture somebody going back from that concert and being like, dude, I went to the show last night. Shaq was bobbing his head next to me. And some dude's like, yo, man, you were on a lot of drugs, bro. He's like, no, Shaquille O'Neal, the American basketball player, yeah, was standing next to me. He's like, you sure a seven-foot-one black man, a 350-pound black man was next to you? He's like, I there's there's no one like when I look at this video, there's no one near 
his obviously his size. Yeah. It's like the picture we took on Friday. <laughs> Why you got to keep bringing that up? It was Wednesday, but Wednesday. My my whole I don't know. I don't even know what month it is, bro. October? You're going to come home and be so happy. There's going to be four homeless people living in your apartment. Yeah. When you come home. Probably. Hopefully they're, you know, taking care of the place. Who's got crazier homeless people? I was going to talk about this on stage, but I figured everybody would be so fucking, like, too sensitive. Who's has, who has crazier homeless people? Los Angeles or San Francisco? I feel like it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, I feel like San Francisco is like New York. They're homeless people. Like, the reason I'm going to give the edge to crazier is I feel like San Francisco homeless people like New York homeless people. They're just trying to survive. Like, it's a rough go of it. People, homeless in Los Angeles, especially the west side of Los Angeles, especially over by the beach where we are, they're not trying to survive. They're trying to thrive. They're like opening fucking art stands on the beach and shit like that. They're like, they're, they, they have a great life. Like, I'm taking homeless on the beach in Venice over the quality of life in the Midwest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shots fired, but like. New theory. But like, they're living a great life, right? I, that's what um, annoys me about the homeless people. I'm like, you live 50 feet from where I live. You actually technically have more space. You pay nothing. Like, yeah. It's a good life for those people. It is. Here in the city, it gets cold here at night. A lot of hills. There's been a guy on my street now on Mildred. Like here, there, the shit, you know, the thing is always like there's human shit all over the streets of San Francisco. Like if you're in Venice... Tons of public public bathrooms. Tons of them. Yeah. Dozens. Yeah. You can shower at Venice Beach. I can't even tell sometimes when people are homeless. Yeah. I'm like, that person's homeless? You smell better than me. Yeah, the only honestly, sometimes with great tans and like whatever, like I'm I'm like the shoes. If you're not wearing shoes, it's usually a good sign. Check their feet. Yeah. But it, it 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 it's crazy. We I don't want to sound like not compassionate, but you do have a good point. There's been a guy living on Mildred now for a couple months. Every night he sets up camp. He's got a little camp. He's got like a good little camp setup. Yeah. He sets it up every night. It's been the same guy. He's been doing it for a couple months. And I'm thinking during the day you're just you're just hanging out in the sun. Getting those nice beach breeze. Like, I don't think he's got the worst homeless life is what I'm saying. No, exactly. I'm not trying to be an asshole. Yeah. I'm being real here, though. So, crazier is tough, but I'm going with crazier still in L.A. because, like, you just got to be crazy to be, like, down with it. Like, here, they're just trying to, like, figure it out. They're like, this is my life. You're like, all right, you're crazy, bro. I took a picture yesterday. There was one shoe on the ground because I'm staying in the city here. Yeah. And there was a tall boy of Modelo stuck in the shoe. And I have so many questions. I took a picture of it. Like, how did this happen? There's just a single shoe on the on the sidewalk and an empty Modelo can. So somebody's missing a shoe. No, I think it's probably like when, when homeless God like steals your soul. You know, <laughs> all that's left is like, you know, like... All that's left is like the Modelo you were holding and the shoe you were wearing. Yeah. 
That makes sense. It's like, poof. <laughs> <laughs> Homeless God steals your soul. Well, Brandon, we should probably talk a little NFL. There's, Let's there, do it. There, What's going on? The, the, but, uh, talk about the dregs of summer. They, this always post-All-Star break, right? Yeah. Post-All-Star break, pre-training camp. Are, are, are we going to talk Madden ratings? What are we going to talk here? Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Are we going to talk like quarterback can, lists? Can, are we going to talk about... Uh, can we relax NFL players? The Madden ratings were released last week. Can we just tap the brakes a little? All these NFL players just going nuts on social media about what some nerdy gamer who's probably out here in San Francisco... And Silicon Valley made their rating. Did you see, who's the, God, why am I forgetting his name? The receiver for the Chargers. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen released this long video on his Instagram, this full minute video. Just He's just so fed up. And then I see other big name receivers commenting underneath it, agreeing. Dude, I just, the thought of caring about a video game rating is just wild to me. Yeah. You talk about an insecure millennial. Again, I know I always bring it up. If I had all that money, I think it would alleviate a lot of the insecurities. Yeah. Dude, I, I, dude you're you're an all pro NFL wide receiver. You care about what some tech dork gave you for your speed or your running routes rating on Madden? Yeah, it is it is sad. But these kids they they grew up with it. They grew up playing it. They grew up like Checking people's rating. But the thing to remember, I, I guess, if you're these guys, is like Madden's been getting it wrong forever. Yeah. Madden's been getting it wrong forever. Like, you remember Madden Vic? Madden Mike Vic was like unstoppable. Mike Vic was never unstoppable in the NFL. Mike Vic was, Mike Vic had a couple of huge games, but dog fighting, no dog fighting. What, like, how many playoff games does Mike Vic won? Yeah. One? I know. That's why I just don't understand. Every year, these guys get so worked up about their goddamn Madden rating. Like, who cares? It's almost like you don't want to be, like, the highest rated on Madden. You know? It's a curse. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, obviously, we know the Madden cover curse. But, like, you want to, like, you almost want to be under the radar because it probably means your team's so good enough. They're not giving you the credit of being, like, a standout on your trash team. Like, I think... Hopkins was the best receiver, right? I think I'm. I'm gonna pull it up right now. The uh, the QB ratings. I mean, again, they're obviously up for debate. These are the, these are the top ten QB ratings, and I know you're gonna take issue with a lot of these. Patrick Mahomes is first at 97 overall. Okay. Tom Brady's second at 96. This is what freaked people out. Philip Rivers was third at ninety four. Drew. So Br- Philip Rivers is better than Aaron Rodgers by Madden's yeah standard. So again, I, look, this is taking everything into consideration: mobility, yeah. arm. Like, come on, you're already lost. Drew Brees is fourth at ninety two. That's just r- ludicrous, right? Like when you're taking everything into consideration, like again, age, mobility, like, uh, like, no, that's crazy. Andrew Luck is fifth, also at 92. Okay. You're going to lose your mind when you hear this. Russell Wilson is sixth at 91. Then they have Aaron Rodgers at seventh at 90. 
Then eight, we have Matt Ryan at 89. We have Ben Roethlisberger ninth at 85. And then rounding out the top 10 is Cam, anybody that thinks, is Cam Newton at 84. Anybody that thinks your boy, Russell Wilson, is an overall better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers should not be participating in any sports discussion, let alone making decisions based on sports. Like, what? Yeah, I agree. That's literally Little John. What? 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 Aaron Rodgers is 90. What's, what's Russell Wilson? 91. Oh, what? Okay. So if you're a player. Like his relationship with your family, like one of the factors here? Like how is. But that's my point. If you're a player then. Yeah. And you all you have to do is look at the quarterback ratings. Right. And say they have Aaron Rodgers as seventh. I mean, I thought I think I heard my boy Eli Manning is the lowest rated of all starters, which begs the question to me. I'm like, is Jameis Winston not the Bucks starter this year? Is fucking, you know, who who's starting for the Miami Dolphins? Who's starting for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Who's starting for like come on. Yeah. So, that's all you got to do is look at that and say... Who's starting for the Jets? Like, what are we doing here, guys? Because at the end of the day, you just look at one rating, the quarterbacks, and you can instantly tell this is a fucking bullshit system. But, honestly, I know you've talked about it before, like in the Baker Mayfield tweeting, Instagramming, whatever, but I definitely agree in this case, especially for a quarterback, especially, but honestly, a little bit for anybody, like, you know, you were saying, I don't remember Peyton Manning, like, getting into Twitter beefs or Instagram beefs with anybody. It's like, I almost don't want my, I don't, I almost want my players not giving a shit. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm excited about, you know, we're obviously about to get into some Odell Beckham um, and and all the sort of red flags for Odell Beckham uh, are are countered by what I see from Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley just seems like a guy who fucking gets it. That's what I'm saying. Well, you know who else gets it, and you know who has amazing ratings, Joe Prano? Seat Geek. Over 50,000 five-star ratings. If Seat Geek were a quarterback on Madden, they'd be 99. Yeah, I would hope so. If we were running Madden, yes, and we were rating SeatGeek, it'd be a 99. SeatGeek is the Michael Vick, Madden Michael Vick of ticket apps. Yeah. Joe and I both use SeatGeek all the time. I was actually looking at SeatGeek. I was discussing this on the drive down there. I said, uh, you know, I was Elton John's final tour is rolling around through the fall. I didn't see him in L.A. at the Forum or the Staples Center. I hopped on SeatGeek and I said, what's he going to cost to see at the Honda Center in Orange County? Out of my price range. <laughs> Realize that quickly. For, and then you remembered you get $10 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. I, I, yeah. So that changed things. That's all right, guys. SeatGeek will give you $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase like Joe just mentioned. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY. For $10 off on your first purchase, that's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. And once again, if you send a screenshot using any... 
promo code of our sponsors, including SeatGeek, I will send you two free beer koozies in the mail. Okay, we got to talk Odell Beckham Jr. because your boy. My my boy, my former my former Jesus Christ, my former black Jesus, the, my former God that I pray to, now in Cleveland, still a fan, certainly still an Odell fan, certainly still an Odell supporter. But what did I miss? What am, I'm not. A, I don't keep up on all the Odell news like I used to. I don't have a uh, Google alert set to Odell Beckham's name anymore. Well, he did a long interview that was published in GQ. Now, I did not read the full interview, full disclosure, because you and I have been busy. So I've I've cut out some excerpts from different sports sites. And well, the, maybe I'll pick it up in the airport today. Yeah, give, give that a read. Is Odell on the cover? Um, I do not know. It's a big article. It's titled Odell Beckham Jr. Unguarded. He talks about everything from, yes, he is in the cover. Great. It's inside the mind of Odell Beckham Jr. He addresses everything from everything that happened with the Giants to the rumors about him being gay, everything in between. Ooh. Yeah. So it's it's I'm I'm flipping through now. It's all right. Give me some hot excerpts. Well, the one big one that I have issues with is Odell. To me, is acting like a 24 year old when he says things like he's the only reason. Basically, the Giants were in prime time. Do you, do you have quotes here? Can I get yeah. quotes? Yeah, I do. He said he felt do your do your best, Odell. Read it. I want it in. I want it in first person. I don't do Odell. No, I'm just kidding. Just read it as it, you know, read, read me the excerpt. Okay. I'm going to read you. This is a big quote. This is a meaty one. Okay. But I'll, but I'll read this. This is uh, talking about New York. I felt disrespected. Like after everything I've done for them, this is me being honest. This team has not been good for the last six years, period. Even the year we went to the playoffs and everyone was talking about this and that and we went there and didn't have a great playoff game. Don't get me wrong. I had a terrible game. But I left the game with seven targets, and I'm supposed to be your number one receiver. I left the game with seven targets. We lost. They scored 40 points. It's just all bad. I felt disrespected because I felt like I was the main reason at keeping that brand alive. They were getting primetime games still as a 5-11 and team. Why? Because people want to see the show. You want to see me play. That's just real rap. I'm not sitting here like it's because of me, but let's just be real. That's why we're still getting primetime games. Uh, I agree and disagree with Odell. I agree with Odell that Odell was disrespected in New York. I think Odell Beckham is still getting disrespected. I think uh, for what he's done in the league so far, he does not get the respect he deserves. I think he gets some of the hype he deserves. And I agree with Odell that maybe uh, his presence on the team leads to, you know, more ads for whatever. And they're, and, you know, he's doing his own ads and they're pushing the Giants and they're, the, you know, he's, he's the guy that they feature in, in promos now. But let's, but I'm going to disagree because let's be honest, they're the New York Giants. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad the New York Giants have been since Odell, before Odell, before the Super Bowls, between Super Bowls, whatever. Um, Almost every year, Sunday night football, to start the year against the Cowboys, 
They're 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 playing the Cowboys again on Week One. Every year they make that a matchup. Every year it, it didn't matter. Kent Graham was starting for the Giants. Danny Cannell, Dave Brown, K- Kerry Collins. Like we can go through a list of quarterbacks and star players um, for the years that have been on the Giants or not on the Giants for that matter. Um, they're the New York Football Giants. They have four Super Bowls. They're in the biggest market. They're the best team in the big market. In the biggest market, they're they're always going to have primetime games. Now, if you're going to say, "Oh, the Giants had five primetime games last year or four time primetime games last year," you're going to say, "With Odell Beckham, would they have three? With Odell Beckham, would they have two? But the idea that they're the they're the Cleveland Browns without Odell Beckham is ludicrous. Yeah, and and I agree with you. Does he enhance a hundred percent? Does his star power enhance? The New York Giants, the allure, the attraction, of course. He's a star, flamboyant, wide receiver. Of course he's going to enhance them getting more games. But they have three games this year, and you're exactly right. This is the reason I said that he's a, being a 24-year-old. It is the lack of history because they are the New York Giants, the largest market, four Super Bowls. This all happened before you got there, Odell. And as a guy who isn't from New York, a guy from Ohio, Dude, I watched a lot of Giants games my entire life. And it's not because I'm a Giants fan. Right. It's because they were on TV. Yeah. All those quarterbacks you named, Joe, I followed along. The amount of times I can remember watching a Sunday or Monday night game with the Giants on with my old man as a kid. Dude, come on, Odell. It's the biggest meet. It's the biggest market in the country. Yeah. And I, I think I think Odell Beckham for sure is a millennial. We've seen that before. You know, the sideline stuff, the crying, the whatever. Like, I, I'm i still, uh, like, I'm still an Odell defender because I'm like, hey, basically all these guys do this and it gets blown up because he's got the hair and because he's in New York and because all these things. And in the end, he's still proven with his play on the field that he is worth whatever distraction he might bring. But at the same time, he's definitely he's definitely his his millennial is showing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in the article again, I haven't uh, I haven't read it. It's saying he claims in the article he even mold retirement, which I'm gonna claim bullshit. Yeah, that because of everything that went on, that he didn't. Feel except, but but what I don't fully understand again, and I've said this before, I think we disagree on this. Is is dude, you signed the deal. He says this. This is another direct quote from Odell Beckham Jr. Why did you sign me? About how everything played out. It's like, well, well, you signed you, dude. Right. Like that's one of his quotes about him pacing the sidelines. Like, well, then why did they sign me? No one forced you to sign that five-year, ninety-five million dollar deal with the team, right? And and I'm I know we're planning on on pivoting soon and talking about Ezekiel Elliott holding out, but like the bottom line is these days, when you're not not even a star player, but when you're a contributing player, when you're like a an above-average player on a team, they're locking you up early, and you're demanding to be locked up early. None of these guys want to play without you know, a guaranteed contract beyond next year. And Odell Beckham is a star and 
was the best player on the Giants until, you know, Saquon Barkley arrived and deserved the money and deserved to be resigned, got the offer, and he signed it. You know, I think uh, the thing with Odell is that he is he's been traded and he got broken up with, you know? Yeah, you've said this before. I like this. He he got broken up with. He didn't break up with the Giants. The Giants broke up with him. And now he's in Cleveland. Everybody can say Baker Mayfield. Everybody can say Jarvis Landry. Everybody can say, though, whatever. You just went from New York to Cleveland. Your new girlfriend's rich. Your new girlfriend has a great house. Your new girlfriend uh, doesn't have a kid. You know, like your old, you're, you were raising your old girlfriend's kid with another man, whatever. Your new girlfriend has all this shit. Okay. But your last girlfriend was a 10 and your new girlfriend's a six and a half. Bottom line, you just moved from New York to Cleveland. His money's going down. He's not going to get the fucking ads that he got when he was in New York. He, he's not going to get the attention that he got good or bad in New York. He got broken up with by a 10. As far as cities go, cities, I'm not talking about franchises. I'm not talking about teams. I'm not talking about rosters. Although, obviously, as a franchise, the New York Giants are significantly better than the Cleveland Browns. But I'm talking about cities. He got broken up with by a 10. And honestly, as far as cities go, Cleveland's like a 4. I'll give him a 5. Okay, a 5. What's a 4 then? (laughs) I don't know. Dubuque? Um, Oklahoma City. Okay. So he got broken up with, and I think he's, you know, now he's trash-talking his ex. I think the Cleveland Browns, maybe to me, are the most interesting team to watch this year. I think to a lot of people they are. I can't think of a more interesting team with a young, you know, startup quarterback who's got a lot of potential. You got two wide receivers. You got the Kareem Hunt. You got a, a young, stout Defense that played pretty well last year. A new head coach who's never coached before at this position in the NFL. A lot of expectations. Haven't won a playoff game in God knows how many years. I just think, to me, the Browns, all those things assembled, are going to be the most interesting team that I want to watch. Yeah, like They're a team I want to watch. You wanted to watch them last year. You were all up on every Browns game last year. I was. Maybe it's maybe it's an Ohio bias I have. Dude, I'm an Odell Beckham fan, but I have always been I've always been a fan of guys who have the talent but also show that they want to win. To me, Odell Beckham has shown he wants to win. This isn't a Carmelo Anthony situation. He's not out there just getting himself. I think uh, a lot of Odell's flaws as a in his character come from him wanting to win too much and being, you know, having gone to a very fancy prep school in New Orleans where both the Manning brothers went and going straight to LSU and being, you know, the son of an Olympian fucking hurdler and being whatever. He hasn't, like, as far as, like, young black men in America go, he hasn't faced a lot of the the struggles that m- many of them have. 
he's he's essentially been one of those guys where you're you're a great athlete and you go to a gr- and you play in a great high school program and you play in a great college program like yeah did LSU win a national championship no has LSU had some dis- disappointing seasons the last few years of course but like you go you look back they're still having a winning record every year and a significant winning record you know the disappointment on an LSU is when they go like 8 and 3 you know comes into the league and he's he's on a losing team every year with the exception of one, he just doesn't know how to handle it. And I think that's a testament to him being used to winning and wanting to win. But what I think Odell has to prove now is that, dude, you're still Odell Beckham. The spotlight's still going to be on you because of your talent. But now you're in Cleveland. You have to be better in Cleveland at from in, in terms of being a guy who just – is a Cleveland Brown. Yeah. I agree. And let's pivot to the new discussion about Ezekiel Elliott, who has not taken a stance yet whether he will hold so out. So where did this report come from? Came came in the last week. But the report is that he's going to hold out? The latest as of a few hours ago, this was posted on... Pro Football Talk on 8.24 Eastern Time. So this was posted a few hours ago from Mike Florio. Is that he's not sure. He has not. He says, uh, okay, okay, this is from Ian Rappaport. Ezekiel Elliott hasn't firmly decided to hold out, which can be fairly read to mean that he has decided to hold out, but that the decision isn't firm or irrevocable. Did I pronounce that correctly? As yeah. You, as you laugh at me. Anyway, common sense tells us from the article it says that he probably will hold out. Right. Um, and he's what? How far from a new deal? Like how? I mean, he's this. This is only this will only be what his third year in the league, fourth year in the league. I think fourth. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna look it but up. But he so basically he's already signed a deal. Yeah. He's all, he's he's not on his rookie deal anymore. No, I don't think he is. Let me let me pull up, pull up old sports track here. Tug and I went through this. You know, he's only twenty four. His first right. drafted in twenty sixteen. Tug and I, yeah, he is on his rookie deal. He is. So he is set to make seven point nine million this year. Nine million next year. So he's on that rookie deal. And he wants to get paid before he even plays this year. Yeah. So so his deal he signed Joe in 2016 went through 2020. It was a five-year deal. So the problem is that he kind of deserves to get paid. But at the same time, what's a running back's value? Well, that's the big question. And then, if he wants it a year early, where does this stop? Does the next guy can does Saquon Barkley hold out next year, two years early? But that's what. But that's basically what Zeke is doing. If, if Zeke's contract goes through twenty twenty, a lot of times the guys will hold out the year before their final year. Right. He's doing. He's going two years ahead. Right. So, then it starts to get in like, but what? can you do 
Le'Veon Bell proved that these guys will just hold the fuck out and stay out. So what do you do? Do you not pay him? Then you get nothing. You can't trade Ezekiel Elliott, right? If you're the Cowboys, what are you doing if you trade Ezekiel Elliott? Well, if you break it down. You could. You could. If you break it down. Again, Tug and I did this. If you break it down on these guys from like a strictly, and this is strictly financial, take all the fanfare out of it, what's going to attract more fans, all that stuff. Running backs are pretty replaceable. And that's the reason why they are paid the least amount outside of kickers, which was a mind-blowing stat to learn. Outside of kickers and punters, the running backs are paid the least as far as player position. Right. There's a reason. I mean, these guys are one knee injury away. But the best ones in the league... Deserve it. are, ...are separate themselves. Like, there's a difference between being... Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara. There's a difference between being those guys and being like the starter on a bad team or, you know, or a backup running back. Obviously, a lot of teams have gone running back by committee the last few years. You need a starting running back and you need a a spell back. Um, I mean, Gurley's Gurley's getting about 14 and a half million. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell's getting 13 million. Like I said, this year. But the know, question is, what do you do? You you negotiate an extension for him right now, an extension, not not a new contract, but an extension. And like, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I just don't think you can trade him. But also, you're setting a bad precedent. Don't forget, though. Hey, the Dallas Cowboys traded Herschel Walker, and that's the only reason that they won. Multiple Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean he's only twenty four. But if you're another, if you're another franchise, you want Ezekiel Elliott right now. Like, what team wants Ezekiel Elliott right now, and has to give him an immediately big deal? Like, who are you? What is this? What is this fictional team that exists? Somebody that just thinks they're so fucking close. Maybe they trading him to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you look at the shelf life. Are you trading him to the Chicago Bears? Like, where are you trading him? He's played three seasons. They're not trading him to your fucking Seahawks. That's for sure. They don't have the money for it. My Seahawks. Stop doing that. My Seahawks. I don't know, man. Because here's how I look at it as an owner perspective. Like, if I'm owning a team. He's had three great years. Now he's missed some games. He missed six games one year for suspension. He's had three great years. How many running backs have had more than five great years consecutively? That's my point. So basically, he's had three great years. He's under contract for this season and next season. As an owner's perspective, I say, you know, he's only got, is he going to have more than five straight great years? Yeah, from an owner's perspective, you got to say, Dude, we're, we're going to extend you early, but we're not extending you two years early. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. 
Like, like the take the Frank Gore. How do they do that and pay Dak? Well, that's a whole other discussion. But I want to sit, bring up somebody like a Frank Gore who's played so long. He is so rare for that position. But also, Frank Gore, as great as he's been, he's been great and consistent. He was never exactly like, the man in football. Like that's the beauty of Frank Gore. Frank Gore is just coming in and goes, "I'm gonna give you a thousand yards every year, bank it." Yeah. But we never had a Frank Gore two thousand yard season. Watch. They're not paying Dak and Zeke. First of all, I don't think Dak's earned the money personally. Right. For a big but deal. But there's a lot of quarterbacks who you could say haven't earned the money but get it anyway because there's not a lot of better options out there. We can agree that like when we talk when you talk about value, you can judge Dak Prescott however you want. And I am not a big Dak fan. He's still not more valuable to the Cowboys than Zeke Elliott. I 100% agree. 100% agree. So, and we, and we see that with running backs. I mean, I don't even know who the Cowboys backup is, but I'd much rather have him in there. My point is if Zeke's not playing versus if Dak's not playing. Right. I'm going to pull it up. See if I can pull this up. I I just don't think you can trade Zeke, but there's got to be a there's got to be a workaround here. They're 4 and 4 in games without Zeke. How much different is that than games with I mean, right. with him. So they're so they're 500. That's a, that's a decent sample size. That's half a season. Yeah. I don't give him a big deal. I say, okay, dude. I mean, I give him a big deal, but I just gotta say you gotta wait one more year. Or if you're, or the thing is, if you're gonna, that that's gotta be the conversation. If you're gonna renegotiate now, fine. Here's the deal. We're gonna give you the deal that you want. We're gonna give you the girly deal before next season. Or we're gonna give you less than the girly, significantly less than the girly deal now because you wanted a year early. So you want security. If you want to wait and get paid the most you can, okay. But you want security. So now you have to take this much. Otherwise, I keep saying you can't trade him. Maybe you can. Yeah. If you're the Cowboys, how confident are you that you're a Super Bowl contender this year? You're not. You're not a Super Bowl contender at all? I mean, they made the playoffs last year. They beat your boys. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if I w- would say not at all. You're probably right there. Upgraded their wide receiver. Have Zeke. Defense played better last year. I still think that defense is suspect as fuck. Who would you rather pay sooner? A wide receiver or a running back? A wide receiver, but again, there's only four or five guys in that running back category. That the you know, the Le'Veon, Kamara, Zeke, Saquon, Gurley. Who am I missing? 
Yeah, guys who have consistently shown they can both run and catch the ball out of the backfield. And are just like crazy explosive and yeah. crazy, you know. I'm sure we're missing some people, but I don't know, man. It's just tough. I mean, obviously people are going to be like, oh, Kareem Hunt. It's like, well, Kareem Hunt's on the Browns now, so let's. Yeah, tap the brakes a little. I don't know. I, I It's a tough situation. I got to eat, though. <laughs> Zeke's got to eat. I got to eat. Andy's here doing the eat symbol. I got to eat. It's almost 1130. I moved my car 400 times. I can't be, keep getting more tickets. Hey, I got a haircut. I got to go get some fresh sneakers. I got to go uh, I mean, try on some clothes. I got a lot of stuff to do before I hit the, I mean, hit the road for you're, Montreal you're, tonight. You're big time now, Joe. Yeah. I have uh, I have uh, a wardrobe fitting. Joe's going to come back with a TV deal. I have to get a mustache trim. You know, that's, you know that's what used to happen, right? Dudes would get on Montreal's new faces. They would come back with motherfucking TV deals. Yeah, and every and every NFL team used to have a star running back. <laughs> back in the Joe Morris, Freeman McNeil. Joe Morris. He was my guy on Tech Mobile. Yeah. I used to always be the Giants. They were good. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor was a beast. Dominating on defense. Dominating. Did either the Giants were my team? You throw it deep to Phil McConkey. Oh my God. Little Mark Bavaro tight end yeah. action. The Giants were my team. My other team, of course, everybody's. The Raiders. The Raiders, yeah. Little Bo Jackson, Marcus Allen. Yeah. I was big on the Raiders. I was big on the Niners too. I was such a big Jerry Rice guy. Who was the Joe Montana, Jerry Rice? Yeah. Roger Craig. Ro- I was going to say a little Roger Craig. Who was the – was Jay Schrader the quarterback of the Oakland on that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, and you know who was a beast? Howie Long, defensive line. Yeah. Going deep. Let's wrap up the show. Let's do it. We got places to be. Guys, Joe has uh, a flight to catch. He's going to be out in Montreal. So uh, if you are a Canadian dirtball. Uh, there are Canadian dirtballs. People go, when are you coming north of the border? When are you coming north of the border? Well, here it is. I'll be there this week. Two shows, and then, I don't know, I'm hanging around, and I'll be going to attending festival events and going to see. The, uh, the Just for Last Festival, I've never been. It's going to be awesome. But, yeah, I mean, if you just look at the list of people performing, I think Jezelnik's doing a gala, Michael Che, um, Kevin Hart, you know, all, like, everybody who's ever, Jim Jeffries, like, everybody. Yeah, So it's pretty awesome, man. Get your just for last tickets. Get your passes if you weren't planning on going. And if this tips the scales for you, wow, that's what an honor that would be. I wasn't gonna go, but no chills going, so I'm in. Yeah. For that reason, I'm in. Give a follow on Instagram. Yeah, give a follow on Instagram. Nothing's more important to the comedy industry than how many people are following you on Instagram. I know that for a fact. So if you want to help my. Uh, if you're listening to this show and you're like, oh, I hope it really goes well for Joe up there, f- start an Instagram account and follow me. Start a second Instagram account. Follow me again. Do the same for me, at Andy Ruther. And also follow the show at The Dirty Sport. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Drop an iTunes review. I'm still sending out koozies. I know I have a lot of koozies to send out this week because obviously I was out of town. But I'll get those out. Leave your Instagram or Twitter handle in that review. That way I can reach out to you. Guys, if you don't leave your Twitter or Instagram handle, I have no way of reaching out to you. A fair amount of people do that. And I don't know what to tell you. I can only go off the review. Okay, that's the show. 
I'm on my way back to L.A. later today. Joe's on his way north of the border. We're making things happen. We'll figure out how we're going to do Thursday. I'm assuming, I'm hoping, I shouldn't assume ever. Maybe Tug can slide in. Old Coker. Talk a little. Coker, hardly know her. <laughs> Need a little Coker up in here. Talk a little. Uh, put out the put out the tug symbol. Maybe we can recap the. The tug symbol is just the bat single with a the white claw wave in it. <laughs> Unreal. This white claw. This white claw discussion will never end. All right, Dirt Balls. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a great week. We'll see you guys again Thursday. And don't forget, stay dirty.